All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here. My name is Billy Dees, and I'm here today on behalf of the fine folks at HumorOutcast.com. That is the place to take a humor break. On the studio line with me today is Dave Jaffe. Dave, what's going on, man? Nothing much, Bill. I had uh, nothing to do today, so I thought I'd, uh, you know, go go call a podcast and see if they talk to me. So yeah, thank you. Said, thank and you for- yeah, sometimes, they, you know, we, we do pick up the phone. So, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Dave has been on the podcast before. You might remember him. Um, he wrote a book about a year or so ago, maybe? Uh, actually, uh, two years ago. Two years. Okay. Sleeping between giants and this would be the first book life if you could call it that with a terrier and um that book had a certain amount of success i would say a lot of people really gravitated to that uh giants being us so when we refer to sleeping between giants that's us as people and he's talking about his uh terrier so tell us just a little bit about that uh, to kind of set the premise of what the first book was all about and to kind of talk a little bit about the success you had with it. I know you got a lot of good comments about the book as time went along. Yes, uh, we, uh, my wife and I adopted a shelter terrier, mm-hmm. although why anyone would, we still don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a dog that was picked up by police in Waukegan, Illinois for uh, panhandling and loitering, which was not true, Um, and for being a stray dog, which was fun. Uh, To be be fair, that was true. I mean, technically, technically that was true. Technically, sure. Um, They took him to the shelter. They called him Bandit, and they also added a sneer whenever they referred to him. So it was a, oh, yes, that's Bandit. Oh, my. So... (laughs) He had a he had a rough start, uh, yes, he did. but we found him and bonded immediately. We brought him home, and within days, he'd hacked all our passwords and run up a huge credit card bill. Yeah, but that's terriers. Uh, mm. They are incorrigible dogs, and Budley was the incorrigible list of them. Uh, so in book one, uh, we talked about uh, uh, Budley, how I acquired him. Um, how he took to our family, how we visited friends in the dog park, his relationship with them, which involved a lot of conversation with other dogs uh-huh. uh, of all breeds, and their uh, how their their breed oftentimes was times were uh, uh, their breeds were reflected in uh, how they act and how they talked. Um, you know, I could get into the minds of a dog, and uh, it seemed to be rather successful. And the book is also uh, features a number of cartoons that I have put together uh, that go with the stories themselves, the essays themselves. If people, people, uh, it was for people who don't really want to read; they're too lazy to do that. And they can just look at the pictures. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> however, however you enjoy it, go for it. Exactly. Okay. Well. Now, the follow-up to that book, which just came out in December of uh, 2022, is titled Sleeping Between Giants, Book Two, Ask a Terrier, Professional Advice from a Licensed Dog. And this is from Cray Cray Publishing in association with Humor Outcast Press. Um, In Sleeping Between Giants, Book Two, Budley, the terrier with a tood, which I'm 
guessing refers to an attitude, is back, this time dispensing crucial advice to giants and canines on everything from space travel and sniffing COVID to giving a TED Talk and shopping for purses. Uh, Through essays and cartoons uh, created by you, you can learn what's going on in the mind of your canine and why it's just as odd as what is going on in your head. Uh, Interesting, uh, uh, fun premise there. Uh, You you say that uh, he can give uh, advice on space. is, is, are dogs good with physics? or uh, How is he with the relativity? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting you should ask that because this, uh, that particular piece uh, came from Butley's resentment that uh, several billionaires had gone into space and mm. no one had invited him. And he considers himself a billionaire because he doesn't really understand money. Mm-hmm. Um, but he felt that he should have had an opportunity also to go into space. Sure. Um, and uh, in this piece, uh, he writes about why he was uh, why he was shunned essentially. Oh. Uh, things like uh, he went to, we we went on the NASA website, and of course, Budley does the uh, the creative part of this. I'm just in because. I have the thumbs and I can type. Yeah. So uh, he wrote about uh, what it's like to try to become an astro dog and mentioned such problems as the height restrictions for NASA. You have to be uh, something yeah. like between five foot eight and six foot two. And uh, he stands about mm, foot and a half at the shoulders. So he, he already had, you know, two strikes against him. And the right. piece goes on from there. So he's not real good with physics, but he's good with uh, resenting sometimes how he's treated by giants. I, and you know what? And we, we can all relate to that, right? Every once in a while, we become an outcast ourselves. And uh, uh, the dog sometimes can help us relate to that. Uh, if you checked out the podcast before, uh, you know a little bit about Dave. Let me just give you a little bit of background about uh, Dave Jaffe. He is a writer, a columnist, former Chicago reporter, and humorist who has written for online media, print, television, and radio. Dave's work has appeared in an assortment of outlets, including Humor Outcast, The Huffington Post, National Public Radio, and The National Lampoon. In your uh, second book, you uh, uh, kind of you incorporate a lot of your skills. Of course, you do that in all of your writing. Um, humor writing in general, uh, that's something that um, can be difficult. Um, yeah, a lot of people have a lot of respect for intricate novels, intricate stories, but there's an old saying, and I believe I've said it before in that, uh, you know, dying is easy, but comedy is hard. And, um, what, what's the best way when you're putting together humor material like these two books and then the one we're talking about today, um, what, what is your angle? What do you find? What is going to be consistent in the book that you feel is always going to generate a laugh? It's a very good question. I like that. Um, the fact is that the many humorists out there uh, who write columns, everyone has a different approach. Uh, some set up a situation uh, that takes a while to generate. Paragraph one, paragraph two, paragraph three. Okay, we see where we're going. 
paragraph four. And then by the time we get to paragraph five, we start to pay off. It's mm. saying if you've if you've if I've built this correctly, you are now going to enjoy this piece. Mm-hmm. I came from a background as a reporter at a wire service, uh, the City News Bureau of Chicago, which sadly is no longer exists, but was an amazing training ground for so many reporters. Yeah. And the most important thing you learn on a uh, a site like that, on a, ra- a, a rather a, a media outlet like that, is brevity. Mm-hmm. You have to get your story out right away. Yeah. I apply that always when I write a humor piece. My writing philosophy, if you will, is if if I haven't hooked you within twenty words, then <laughs> I've I've lost you. Yeah. So I have to come up with something that is going to hook your interest, make you laugh right away, and see where we're going with this piece. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm writing them, I don't always know where we're going with this piece, um, but I listen to the writing as it's as it's happening. Uh, I, 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 uh, the more the more I write, the more I see. Aha! This is how this piece is going to come together. Yeah. And then by the time it's finished, it's seven to seven to eight hundred words, and it's taken me a day and a half. So, you know, it's, it's not a fast process. Uh, There's a lot of refining that goes in there as I'm working it out. But those are, that's, that's kind of the the general approach I have to it. And, you know, a lot of people always say, well, where do you come up with ideas? Well, where can you not come up with ideas? I mean, you you open a newspaper and the first three pages, you'll have all the topics you need for any essay you want to write about. Uh, in a case in point, the piece I just talked about with uh, Budley in Space, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was off the front pages. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is, well, of the many voices I hear in my head, uh, a lot of them are dogs. Uh, I've had dogs all my life. Mm-hmm. And when I would go to the dog park and see these other dogs, I would, in my head, imagine what they're talking about, especially based on their breed. Uh, mm-hmm. there, is a, there was one dog there. It was a, a, a Bernese mountain dog. Mm-hmm. And all he wants to talk about is life in the mountains. That's so important to him. The other mm-hmm. dogs all know he's never been to a mountain. He's not exactly sure what mountains are. But he has great pride in that because his giants have great pride in it. So whatever the conversation is at the dog park between the dogs, he somehow wants to relate it back to caves and mountains. So these are the, this is the noise going on in my head, Bill. I hope it's not as noisy in yours. Oh, I, um, I definitely have voices there. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Um, It's interesting, you know, that approach with getting to the point, so to speak, in in your writing, because that's very important today, no matter what you are doing. Um, I I get that a lot with my fellow podcasters. They spend a lot of time on these long intros and, you know, all these fancy things. And I know they spend a lot of time on them, but, uh, you know, quite frankly, I'm all for, you know, you, you have to grab that audience quick. That's the way things are now. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's what social media and other media has has done to us. You got to get to it quick. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think in most people's head now, it's just this constant tone. Uh, yeah. There's there's just too much input going on. 
people don't have time and won't take the time. And more's the pity. Uh, there's some great long form stuff out there. I mean, you know, there's yeah. a there's a couple of long form pieces that are, are probably worth reading. Um, but that's if you're a columnist, yeah, uh, you're not one of those. Sure, you either get them right away or don't be a columnist, be a novelist, or you know, write something real, real big. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, attention. It's not, I'm not criticizing that. You know, it's easy to say, oh, people's attention. There's a, well, excuse me, that's the reality now. Yeah. This is the world we live in. We have so much input. How do you cut through that clutter? You have yes. to find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. This is how I have found a way to do it with my columns. I mean, I, as I was saying before, I know some wonderful columnists, but it takes a while to get to the meat of what they're going to be writing about. Yeah. yeah. And, by the time I get there, I forgot where, what was the route? Wait a minute, which, how did we get here? You know, and yeah. I have to go and pick up the breadcrumbs and see, it's very, it's a, it's not the kind of writing I can do. Sure. And that's perfectly understood and applies to so many things. Sure. I mean, the downside to it, uh, you know, with certain types of, of content is that a lot of nuance gets lost, but yes. you know, there's not too much we, we, we can do about that. In, in the second book here, you have uh, an advice column. And um, why did you choose that for the second book? When I wrote the first book, that came from a blog that I was writing called Sleeping Between Giants. And I had a number of different types of pieces I put on that. Mm-hmm. I would do the uh, the pieces about uh, crate training your dog, uh, what that's like for the first time. Um, and uh, uh, pieces like that. Uh, why, why, a shelter, why, why get a shelter dog at all? Mm -hmm. Um, but I also did the cartoons, as I mentioned, as another way to speak to a potential audience. Mm -hmm. The other thing I did was to create a column that was called Ask a Terrier. And every once in a while, Budley would do these pieces where he would respond to questions that came in from giants or from other dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we would establish that question from the person and he would answer. Now, an advice column is always a, a very interesting one. And it's also a very common form to satirize because it has a very, it has a very specific formula, a very specific layout. Yeah. You, can do, you can do a lot with that and keep it rather limited. Um, they're not easy, but it, as I said before, if you if you're hearing voices in your head anyway, uh, an, a, a, an advice column is not a bad one. Now, in book two, um, Budley has matured from a streetwise shelter dog um, with with Tude, who uh, essentially took over our home, as I said, and he's evolved into a highly opinionated thought leader who's bossing around all the other canines, as well as their giants. I had one reviewer who uh, wrote of the book, he said, uh, uh, Budley is the Ann Landers of dogs, or perhaps Ann Landers is the Budley of people. Mm. And I I love that. I thought that, well, that was worth the price of admission right there. Sure. Uh, Ann Landers was one of the ones that I was actually going to you know, bring up. That's one I think most people are familiar with. Although reading advice col- columns now probably for, for the younger generations is probably not such a thing that they understand, although they understand it in, in media form. There's so many people now who 
you know, have vlogs and other things talking about dating advice. And uh, there's so many things that you can do. But so that that formula is still there. It's just in, in, in another form. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, very much lot, so. A lot of people, uh, a lot of writers, I should say, do listen to this podcast. And even readers um, sometimes are very much uh, interested in uh, certain aspects of writing. For example, Stephen King fans really enjoy him talking about uh, how he came up with certain ideas and all that. And and that's fine. Um, but it really does have not only an entertainment value, but it has a functional value for, for the reader and for aspiring writers. And one of the things we touch on a lot with writers is inspiration because getting inspiration for things, let's, let's say something like, like an essay, one of the things that you've mentioned, um, that can be something that you, they say you write what you know. For example, if I was assigned to write something about microphones, I could probably you know, have a lot of inspiration for that. Uh, but if I was uh, assigned to uh, write something about mascara, uh, I don't know that much about mascara. It doesn't intrigue me. So I, I would have to be, I would have to find motivation if I had that assignment. How do you find motivation for things? Well, I, uh, of all the problems I suffer from, mm-hmm. and they're numerous, uh, the one I don't suffer from is writer's block. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I attribute that to having worked at a wire service where you can't afford to have a writer's block. You yeah. have to write. Yeah. I remember in one of my earliest times there, I had come in to work as a rewrite. It was my first time there. And I sat down at the typewriter. Someone, uh, and I say typewriter because that's what they were. It was, uh, it was the 1970s, but we had 1950s royal typewriters oh, yeah. where, where most of the keys worked. Yeah, you have to hit real hard. And you have to hit real, real hard. Yeah. I mean, you, you build up just enormous strength in your joints, <laughs> your finger joints. Um, so I was, uh, 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 someone had called in, one of the reporters had called in a fire. Okay, he gave me the notes. The editor says, okay, write up a story. Give me, give me two pages on that. So I set up my typewriter. I, I put in the paper. So, and anybody under 40 years old has no idea what this means, but I'm, I'm putting paper into a typewriter. Right, the roll. Uh, exactly, yes. exactly. And I put that in, looked at the page, and I sat thinking and thinking. And the editor came over and said, he stood over me and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm writing a story. He says, no, you're not. You're just sitting mm-hmm. there. Start writing. Oh, okay, boss. And I, I begin typing away. And he stood there with one hand on the top of the copy. And when I finished the first paragraph, he whipped that out, edited it, gave it to the teletype person who mm-hmm. sent it out via teletype. And I thought, oh, that's, that's how we write now? I see. But it was a hugely valuable lesson. Sure. And it taught me not to be, not to get caught up in the idea of writing just right. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? One of the things I tell other aspiring writers in journalism classes when I talk is I say, love your writing, but don't fall in love with your writing. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and write. If, uh, If you like the piece, 
great. If you don't like the piece, ball it up and throw it away and move on to a different one. Uh, then reach in the garbage can and straighten that all up because one day you'll use that other idea you just came with. Sure. So hang on to that sort of stuff. Um, I, as I, as I talked a little bit about my inspiration, which is silly to say, well, it's everything, but it's, it's stories in the newspaper. It's things I, I come across. It's oftentimes people now that I'm known as that terrier guy. I get a lot of people who come to me and say, hey, you want to hear what my dumb dog did? And they've got some story. Well, that's a great thing to to launch into a piece about whatever that topic is. Um, let's see. Waking up. I, I did a piece on, on the, with COVID when that was coming through. I did a number of pieces on dogs dealing with COVID. They don't understand what's going on. Uh, they know it's important. They want everybody to be happy. They see their 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 giants now wearing masks. They want to wear masks, but they can't because of the snout. The snout does not lend itself well to a you know, to a mask. So right. you know, these are the kind of issues that dogs have to deal with. So you know, I, I don't. It's kind of a roundabout answer to what uh, what you ask, but I'm saying. Write anything. Don't fall in love with it. Be yeah. willing to say, gee, I wrote this. I'm kind of having fun with it. I'm letting it go. Yeah. And another uh, example of that is I will oftentimes come up with an idea for a column. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'll write about this. And, oh, I just thought of the perfect joke. This is the mm -hmm. one that the whole piece is going to hang on. Yeah. And I will write and I get to 800 words. It's finished. It's perfect. And that joke never made it in there. Mm. It just, I looked at it and said, you know what? It doesn't work anymore. There isn't room for it. Yeah. Ball it up, throw it away, straighten it out, put it in the pile for another piece. So Interesting. This is, this Interesting. is how I work from it. I can understand that happening. I've, I've worked on projects both for other people in, in video form and things like that. Um, same with podcasts. Every once in a while, uh, you will have a certain angle. And once we start researching it, once we start getting into it, once the conversation starts, uh, it, it, it comes up with a life of its own. It just kind of bubbles to the surface and, you know, this is good. We should just stay with this. Uh, so that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you uh, must see that more than most. I mean, you know, when you're doing podcasts, live podcasts, you talk to people and suddenly they uncover this little nugget. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's what I learned from my early days as a reporter. I, I would cover stories that seemed just so mundane. So you have to keep digging. Yeah. And then you find him, they say something, you go, oh, my gosh, we've got to go that way now. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as far as inspiration goes, if you're involved in the news at all, I heard somebody say this the other day. And I have to say, it, it's it's so true. It's getting hard to tell the real headlines from the onion headlines. <laughs> they're, they're pretty much they're pretty much interchangeable. Uh, well, I, I find the onion headlines less depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something that uh, another thing that uh, a lot of writers and a lot of uh, readers are interested in is the development of characters. And I would guess a lot of what you just said about subjects applies to characters too. A character may start out a certain way. And once you start uh, developing a story, all of a sudden the character maybe gets a life of that you didn't expect originally. That's, that's exactly right. And again, let's, let's go to the dog park. Um, mm -hmm. I have dogs talking to each other in the dog park. 
we don't hear them, but they know what they're talking about. And they each come at it with their own sensibilities, their own perspectives, just as we come at things with our own perspectives. Um, It's just theirs are often tied into the breed, as I mentioned, with the uh, Bernese Mountain Dog. Okay, Um, there was another dog who uh, uh, appears in many, many dialogues at the uh, dog park. And he's Rocky the Boxer. Mm. Now, Rocky the Boxer, you hear him referenced many times. You never meet Roxy the Boxer. All we know about Roxy the Boxer, and it's described by various dogs who knew him, is that there was an incident. Something happened. It involved uh, school children, a school bus, several police officers, some firemen, um, a, a dining truck that happened to come by. You have this elaborate story that nobody really has all the details on. All we know is that one day Roxy the Boxer was put into an unmarked van and driven away. And we just know that he went to live somewhere on a farm uh, where uh, he can run and run forever. We never saw him again. Mm. Okay. There's a character who is a wonderful one to bring up because he keeps allowing me to go in new directions, to take the conversation new directions. He has has, uh, gained this personality, and yet we never see him. We never (laughs) see Roxy. We just know about Roxy. And we know about the other dogs and how they related to him. So you can create characters who you may never see, but can be used as foils for the writing you want to do yeah. about the topic you're approaching. Yeah. Interesting. Those are, and that's, that's a lot of really good information for anybody who, like I said, is an avid reader or wants to attempt writing on their own. A lot of times too, you know, listening to somebody like yourself, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go out and try to write a book. Uh, but a lot of times these things can help you in just everyday things, being a better communicator with your emails at work and all these other things. This is, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. A lot of the illustrations, cartoons and things like that, um, where, how, how, first of all, where do those come from? All the illustrations are done by me. Uh, I'll come up with an idea, and I fortunately know how to work with Photoshop, although not too well. Mm-hmm. But that also therein lies the charm of a lot of these uh, cartoons, because you can clearly see they're photoshopped. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no question. Gee, Budley is in a spacesuit on the moon. Really? I didn't know he went. To, no, he, it's pretty clear that Budley is, is inside of a spacesuit on the moon. And it, it's not real. It's photoshopped, folks. Don't you worry. He's just yeah. fine. Um, I think the, some of the earliest influences uh, were, A, I was a comic book reader as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so uh, illustrated illustrations that tell a story um, appeal to me greatly. And also, I was very influenced by James Thurber. And James Thurber was a wonderful, wonderful columnist. One of the Mm -hmm. greatest writer, American writers of his time, and I say still to this time. And he he was also a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And his illustrations are just beautiful in their simplicity. Mm -hmm. But they make such a statement. I learned very early in life that I have absolutely no artistic talent at all. Mm -hmm. Um, This was driven home uh, with my wife, uh, 
the artist Denise Siegel, uh, who's very talented, and it's embarrassing for me to even doodle in front of her. It's, it's oh. just it's just very sad. But I did know how to put together pictures, and with Photoshop, um, I was able to manipulate these pictures to add components, subtract components, and then come up with a caption that also made it funny. Because I referenced it before that while I I love people to read the columns, if they're just going to go through it for the cartoons, I wanted those to be enough. I wanted each cartoon that relates to the essay to still be able to stand alone. Mm-hmm. So the ideas that sometimes some of the ideas of a, uh, are uh, uh, what leads to the column itself. I have an image in mind. Um, there is a, there's one that Budley did. Uh, well, Budley didn't do it. Of course I did it, mm-hmm. but uh, Budley told me to do it. And it was about uh, Ted talks because a dog rode in uh, to uh, ask a terrier and wanted to know how to do a Ted talk. And Budley, of course, as a famed uh, advice dog, uh, gave, gave told them how to how to get started in doing a TED talk. And there is a picture there of uh, Budley on the stage, a spotlight on him, a huge crowd wearing this, wearing one of these, mm-hmm. and talking to his audience. And again, that came from the picture first, yeah. and then the column followed which is kind of funny uh, way to look at it, that it can go either way. Interesting. Yeah, and he was motioning there uh, for those listening to the audio version with a, uh, uh, with a headset when one of those little microphones that come up to the uh, side of your face that you often hear the workout people and everything using uh, when they're doing their routines. That, that's funny. Um, we are talking to Dave Chaffee. The book is called Sleeping Between Giants, book two. Ask a Terrier, professional advice from a licensed dog. Let's talk about where people can find you online. You can find me online at the blog sleepingbetweengiants.com. Okay. Um, and that is where these, uh, these pieces originated as well as uh, other material. But you can go back and see other kinds of pieces I've written too. As uh, uh, you mentioned earlier, I have a, a background in humor writing and uh, I wrote columns uh, for various Chicago newspapers and uh, on-air commentary both on cable back then and uh, uh, on radio. So uh, you can lo- find a lot of my stuff there. The book itself, both both books, uh, book one and book two, uh, you can get them through Amazon. You can get them through uh, your independent bookseller. And I urge you to support your independent bookseller because uh, I hate to think of them as a dying breed, but times are tough. So if you're going to buy a book, ask for it there first and demand that they go and get the book for you. So they'll do it. They'll be happy to do it. Um, Also, you can get uh, you can get uh, the um, uh, e-book. Again, through Amazon, but also through Smashwords at smashwords.com. Just okay. look up either Sleeping Between Giants or Dave Jaffe. Uh, I also wanted to make the uh, that book a little bit more, the first book, a little bit more accessible because people will come across the second one and go, what's a Dave Jaffe? So mm-hmm. the first one is available for 99 cents. You can read it and uh, then delete it if, or or not read it and delete it. Uh, that happens too. I, I understand. Uh, so it's uh, it's available in all the standard ways. And also, um, if you do buy a book and you're interested um, in getting a signature, 
of me from the book. I'm happy to send you out a, uh, a book plate that you can put on the inside of the book with a message. Interesting. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, social media, I know you're on Twitter. What's your, what's your ad on Twitter? Uh, Jaffe Dave. Okay. Okay. Or um, uh, Ask a Terrier. Ask a Terrier. Right. Those cool. are the two you can find me at. Well, that is absolutely fantastic. Again, the author's name is Dave Jaffe. Sleeping Between Giants Book 2, Ask a Terrier, Professional Advice from a Licensed Dog. And this is from Cray Cray Publishing in association with HumorOutcast.com, Humor Outcast Press. Um, that is awesome. I always enjoy talking to you. There is a, uh, you know, a wealth of information besides the humor that you always provide the readers and potential writers. Uh, so your, uh, your presence here and uh, your, your knowledge, uh, which goes way back, you know, as I mentioned, your, your background, uh, very skilled writer, humorist. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Bill, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Uh, I love being on your podcast. I bumped Anderson Cooper for this one. You know, CNN was after me. I said, no, no, I got Bill today. Sorry, folks. So uh, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure and uh, email Anderson and, and apologize for that. So. Yeah, would you straighten that one out for me? Because it's just bad form, I know. <laughs> That's funny. Again, the book, I'll say it one more time. Uh, the author, Dave Jaffe, Sleeping Between Giants, book two. Ask a Terrier professional advice from a licensed dog. My name is Billy Dees. I'm here today on behalf of HumorOutcast.com. Again, the book we're talking about is available from Cray Cray Publishing in association with Humor Outcast Press. My name is Billy Dees. You can follow me on Twitter if you like. Real easy to find at Billy Dees. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. And we will be talking to you again very soon. 